you can listen to the principles and the tips that I give you to incorporate it, but only you are going to know if it's right or wrong for you. But once you have that power of learning to listen to your body again, you can apply that to any health method and understand how it's affecting you better. And I think that's really important. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. My guest today is an author, health and wellness pro, columnist at The Telegraph and host and creator of the mountain guide retreat company Connect Retreats. His book and method, The Two Meal Day, is based around the concept of intermittent fasting. He is someone that I've been keen to meet and have on the show for a long time, ever since the start. So I am mega excited to introduce you to Max Lowry. Welcome to the studio. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here awesome no thank you for coming in and congratulations on all of your recent success one thing that really strikes me about you I mean we actually haven't met before today no. so please correct me if I'm wrong but it certainly seems this way from observing you online and consuming your content that you are someone who you're unapolog- unapologetic about your approach to health and fitness and lifestyle I know that a lot of what you do and the methods that you share online are evidence-based but there's also a very holistic approach so I think it's something that I yeah personally really admire and that I don't think you see that much anymore so before we get into all of my questions for you Max I'd love it if you could take us back and talk us through your own journey and what led you to pursue optimum health and wellness. Yeah, so I get asked this question a lot. Where do I start? I guess I start uh, at school. I was always very active. Uh, got a sports scholarship to a top English boarding school. Was county level at three sports. So my whole life was sport and exercise. Um, I then got to the age of about 16. And I should have picked one sport, but I wasn't encouraged to do that. I was still doing three or four at the same time. Essentially just had burnout and stopped doing all sport. Got a back injury. Which got- sports were you doing? Rugby, swimming and athletics. Okay. Swimming is probably, talent-wise, my my best. And rugby I was only good at because I was a sprinter. Okay. <laughs> um, as soon as I stopped doing exercise, things went wrong. Uh, I got kicked out of the boarding school. Kicked out the school I went to afterwards. Um, was homeschooled for GCSEs. Then modelled and worked in nightclubs in London from the age of 17, 18. Getting paid to go out and party, which was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But I was drinking heavily. Um then started working in finance at age 19, was there for four years. And although, you know, it was good, I had a job and I had a direction. I was still partying because it was my job to entertain clients because of my previous job in the nightclubs. Uh, so I was going out three or four times a week, you know, eating left, right and center, drinking, you know, everything imaginable. Um, after about four years of that, I slowly remembered what made me feel good and who I was um and it wasn't an overnight thing it was lots of small things kept reminding me and I was just bored of feeling terrible all the time so I kind of quit my finance job 
qualified as a personal trainer before I quit. Didn't know what I was going to do with it. This is like before Instagram. So I didn't know it was, you know, you could do well at it and not many other people were doing it. So it's like quite a big step. But I knew that I was interested in it. And, you know, it was completely the opposite of what I was doing before. Uh, I then went traveling around South America because um, I didn't take a gap year or anything. I went straight to work. So just traveled around for about five or six months in South America by accident, I discovered intermittent fasting without really knowing what it was. Um, got back to the UK, went back to usual eating routine, started training clients. Uh, over time, I, I kind of just didn't... I put on some weight. I didn't feel as energized and kind of... Um, I was always hungry, um, having gone from intermittent fasting to eating regularly throughout the day. And then kind of started to put some research in, started experimenting with eating breakfast later, and kind of after five or six years has led me where I am today. Uh, in those five years, I've trained, you know, hundreds of clients in London. Um, now a lot of what I do is online and it's all kind of progressed into the Connect Retreats and Two Meal Day. Awesome. Oh my gosh, so much in there. Like that yeah. whole, you know, timeline journey, so many things from being kicked out of boarding school to yeah. party scene and being like a nightclub host and like all of that stuff. And I guess what was what I was kind of thinking when you were talking is that all of those things they can be I don't know if they were for you can be quite extreme so even like I think boarding school you know if you're doing three sports you Mm. know coaching training that's structured and disciplined and then that's gone and then maybe homeschooling and then yeah nightclub scene extreme and then as you said partying entertaining like and then even maybe traveling it seems like you quite enjoy maybe extreme things would you agree yeah I mean you're 100% right uh when I do something I don't I don't do it in half measures it's not a conscious thing it just happens so when I was partying I was partying um equally when I'm hiking it's not just oh I like to go for a two-hour hike it's five days by myself in the mountains somewhere so mm. yeah I don't know I just like pushing boundaries I guess yeah, I'm nodding along I don't know if I'm quite as extreme but I do think that I somebody who I always say I have an addictive personality mm. and I always say like it's very fortunate for me that I never that 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 side of my personality was never drawn to I don't know alcohol or drugs or gambling because yeah. I'm similar in if I'm doing something I'm doing it I'm yeah. doing it 110 yeah. percent I never just dabble I'm like okay we're doing this now yes uh, so you mentioned a little bit about the two meal day and how you first discovered intermittent fasting and intermittent fasting, I think, has become very popular in in media and especially within the wellness space. I find in the last six, 12 months, obviously for you, it's been a lot longer. Mm. So can you tell us for people maybe listening who don't even know what intermittent fasting is? Can you tell us everything, what it is, who is it good for? Why is it good for us? Give it to us. So, you know, fasting just means not eating. Um, people are very afraid, afraid of the term, um, but that's all what fasting means. And intermittent fasting means incorporating periods of not eating into your day or your week. Um, with the 5-2 diet, which is very popular, it's eat normally for five days and restrict calories to 600 for two days. With um, what I do, it's actually called time-restricted eating, where you do every day. And I'm aiming for roughly 16 hours every day where I'm not eating. Uh, eight of those hours, I'm asleep. The reason I developed the two meal day is because if you do focus on the time periods, people often get obsessed. They count down the hours until they can eat. They're not Mm -hmm. listening to their bodies. And for me, the benefit for intermittent fasting is just learning to listen to your body again and learning to understand what hunger actually is. And you only really realize what hunger is when you go through a few hours every day without eating. You realize perceived hunger comes and goes throughout the day. Mm. And you realize it's habit, it's routine, it's boredom, it's emotional, it's you have to have your lunch at this time, you have to have your snack at this time. So, you know, that's 
in a nutshell what intermittent fasting is. I think it's great for people. I think it's great for most people. Um, but I think if you've got any underlying health issue, of course, then you're going to have some issues potentially, in, especially diabetes, anyone with a history of eating disorders, um, and pregnant and breastfeeding women should avoid it. But essentially, it's nothing extreme. Um, for me, what's extreme is that people can't go four hours without eating and mm-hmm. crashing and feeling hangry. And this has become the social norm. Yep. But in actual fact, that is not normal. That's not how we're meant to function. And there's an initial few days, which can be difficult, where you go from being primarily um, fueled by the carbohydrates in food to tapping into your sco- stored energy, which is carbohydrates and glycogen, but fat as well. Um, and that's a completely normal thing but we kind of have to retrain our bodies to to do that and to function optimally without eating uh, every you know every hour. Yeah, you yeah, I I agree with the social conditioning aspect in, in the sense that we have been told, you know, you eat breakfast at this time or you need to constantly have snacks or you need to eat three meals a day or this time or and I think that we obviously get used to habits, right? We're creatures of habit, we like to and it's funny what you said then about feeling hunger because mm. it's interesting I think for a long time you know you don't feel hunger uh, from a lot of people on a daily basis you don't feel hunger no. and then it's only when real you hunger. yeah real hunger and I think for me about two years ago when I first started going you know plant-based and I stopped eating animal products and I was kind of experimenting with well, what can I eat where can I get food what can I snack and it's different now you know mm. there's so much stuff available yeah. but I actually was going on a long-haul flight I hadn't really planned it that well and I hadn't ordered pre-ordered a vegan meal mm. so on that flight I basically didn't have any food I think I had maybe some almonds and it was like maybe 12 hours and I was hungry and mm. I sat there and I thought actually it's so strange that I'd never feel hunger and I thought yeah. what an amazing well, what an incredible you know how lucky you are if you yeah. can you know some people around the world do experience hunger of every course. day and so that's what I kind of sat with I thought you know what some people feel hunger every single day and you're not used to this feeling and yeah I think that's something to to really think about but what are the health benefits are mm. of, of intermittent fasting so for me I normally focused on the three main things that people feel on a day-to-day basis and this is yes the reason people get into it is weight loss or fat loss uh, it's effective for maintaining a calorie deficit um, effortlessly. I'll explain why in a bit. Um, the second thing is you have more energy overall. Um, and this sounds counterintuitive, but once you're tapping into your stored body fat, it's endless, the energy pretty much. I mean, I worked out that I have roughly 50,000 calories worth of energy to tap into in the form of fat. And I have a low body fat. Mm. So, you know, that's pretty much endless. You're not going to exhaust that even after a week of not eating pretty much which i'm not encouraging by the way um and then because you stop associating food with energy and this is a subconscious thing you don't notice it uh, because you're using your fat reserves you then feel less hungry overall and the combination of these three benefits i think is the reason why it's become so popular not only are you losing weight you feel less hungry and you have more energy which you know for people who have dieted i put in inverted commas yeah you know, that's unheard of um, and is actually the reason it becomes a way of life rather than a crash diet uh, when done correctly. Um, you know, the, when it comes to like the, the you know, the more um, profound health benefits, it can improve insulin sensitivity. Um, it can potentially improve gut bacteria because you're allowing your digestion to have a break. Um, it can potentially it's being looked at for reversing type 2 diabetes and things like this. But this is very early doors and that's mm. not what I focus on and that's not... You know, there's still a lot more research that needs to be done. But I think 
the three main benefits of losing weight, having feeling less hungry and um, having more energy is a game changer. Okay, so you know you said dieting in, in quotations. What would you say to people that say, well, intermittent fasting is a diet. It's another kind of trend or fad or diet that people are going to try. And then, you know, like people have talked to, you know, a lot at the moment, a conversation around diet culture mm. and how we should be avoiding that. And yeah. do you think that this is a diet or it's not a diet? No, well, it really depends how you do it. I mean, if you're doing the 16-8 or the 5-2, that's a very much a diet. Mm. It's restrictive. You're yeah. you're telling yourself that, um, you know, I'm not eating for 16 hours and I can't eat until this time. With the two-meal day, I try to encourage it to become a way of life. So it's not, you know, oh, I can't eat until this time. It's like, don't, you know, skip one meal. Uh, it's, and, you know, people say that I skip breakfast. I don't actually skip breakfast. Breakfast just means breaking your fast. Mm-hmm. So I, I break my fast later. People are always like, what time do you break your fast? You know, when is it? Whenever I feel hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be 11 o'clock. It might be four o'clock in the afternoon. It really depends. So, you know, for me, it sounds really complicated, intermittent fasting. People overcomplicate it. Um, but actually, it's very simple. You just learn to eat when you're hungry. And I don't, I think that's the opposite of a diet. You know, I think that is, on one hand, we've got health professionals. You've got, you know, the English, the British, I can't remember the name of the um, exact uh, group that are encouraging this, but Britain needs to go on a diet. You know, mm-hmm. everyone needs to eat less. But on the other hand, they're saying you have to have breakfast. And like lots of people are, aren't hungry in the morning. Yeah. Um, like you said yourself just, just before, you, you kind of naturally do it. Um, and that's because it's a nor- more natural way of eating. You're someone that has probably learned to eat when they're hungry. Um, so yeah, long-winded answer, but I think it's not a fad if it's if you can incorporate it into your entire life and approach it in the right way and learn to listen to your body. Yeah. So, yeah, for me personally, I think I, as you said, I think I do intermittent fasting unintentionally sometimes, not all the time. Mm. And I've got to be honest, I I think because I get up early, so most of the time I'm up by 5.30, mm. I train in the mornings, I'll then come back, I might have something to do, take my son to school, I might then, you know, have something, an appointment, a meeting, a train, and then often I'll break my fast, if you like, at maybe 10 a.m. Yeah. Or it might be 10.30. So to me, I would count that as my breakfast, whatever that is. Mm. But yeah, I've been up since 5.30, so I don't just open my eyes, yeah. go into the kitchen and prepare food, and that's just it's not like necessarily a conscious choice but I have had people reach out to me before especially because I run and I post that on Instagram stories saying do you run do you eat before you run so Mm. do you consciously fast when you run I'm Mm. like no I'm like just get up and go for a run yeah and I think but on the other side of that sometimes like if I go on holiday or if I'm staying in a hotel and I get up and there's like a really beautiful breakfast buffet I'll go and have a really big breakfast Mm. or sometimes I just wake up hungry so yeah I think the intuitive point is really really important well there's this whole argument about intuitive eating um, which I agree with but I don't understand how you can intuitively eat and understand what hunger is if you're eating regularly throughout the day. Yeah. The only thing that can teach intuitive eating, in my opinion, is intermittent fasting, mm. because then you actually understand what your body needs and when it needs it. Mm, and feeling hunger. Although I will say to you, Max, I'm not really sure I've got this down because there was a day a couple of weeks ago where I hadn't planned my morning very well and yeah I hadn't eaten in the morning mm. and then I was back to back to back and it got to maybe 12.30 maybe even 1 and I was so hungry that I then was like oh my gosh I've had nothing to eat all day and I probably ate breakfast lunch and a snack all in one sitting to yeah. kind of make up for the fact that I'd missed it so yeah do you feel well, like you get people get more hungry then and eat more? so this is the thing about intermittent fasting the the theory was that if you skip breakfast, you end up overcompensating later in the day and actually you end up eating more. But actually they've done some, at Bath University, uh, 
um, James Betts has done a lot of research on this, and that's just not the case. Um, although it feels like you're over-consuming, mm. overall, you're still eating less mm. um, than if you were having a meal. And this is why it's such a game-changer for me. Is like what you're eating... For me, I eat two large meals, and I'm really full and satisfied at the end. Sometimes a snack in between those two meals. Mm. But overall, I'm still eating a bit less. And... You know, initially it can feel like you're really going crazy, but after you get used to it, you know, you don't have that kind of, um, you know, you don't binge as it as it were. But also, it does take some more organisation. So, yeah. especially at the beginning, you have to make sure that you're breaking your your fast with quality, nutrient dense foods if possible, and yeah, there's a like decent a amount of it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's the kind of thing that you know I teach to my clients is make sure that ideally that you're bringing in some food with you that you've prepared the night before. So if it does get to 11 o'clock and you are desperate, then you have that rather than running into whatever convenience store there, the, that's near you. Yeah, awesome. So when you work with your clients one to one, if they've never heard of you know fasting before or the concept as they've ever tried it, what are some of their you know their initial response and what are some of the common barriers that people face when they first start making these changes? Firstly, I wouldn't automatically recommend the two meal day intermittent fasting to every client. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really depends on their goals, their eating habits, uh, the relationship with food. Um, usually, people have heard of it and have heard of me anyway, so they're fairly open to it. But yeah, it's not a case of me having persu- to persuade people necessarily. I'll advise it if I think it's the right thing to do. Um, I think for some people initially, it's not the right thing to do because one of the issues that people have with fasting when they first start doing it is they're doing too many things at once Mm -hmm. you know they decide to start training five six times a week they're eating less meat they're cutting out alcohol um you know at the same time as not fixing their sleep and then they start you know intermittent fasting on top of these things so it's about incorporating these these principles that i talk about uh sustainably and one by one so i'd say you know the initial barriers that i come across to just to the average person who find out about what what i'm talking about is but breakfast is the most important meal of the day isn't it and aren't you so hungry and probably the biggest one is oh but i still love i love food too much you know i couldn't do that you know i love food more than anyone Me I, too. I grow my own vegetables yeah. i source from local farms i love cooking i love sharing it with people and actually i find my appreciation of food has increased because i eat less often so when i do eat it's more special um but yeah so there are things that people say i think people generally are becoming more aware of it um you know the breakfast is the most important of the day all stems from cereal companies in the Mm -hmm. 1900s creating the first highly profitable processed food cereal um alongside the cereal uh, it was the kellogg brothers they were super religious and they came all these marketing techniques and and health claims like it would stop you from masturbating it would stop you from doing all yeah really yeah, yeah. i never heard that one yeah, I, yeah. Did, I have heard before that this concept of you know not conspiracy but people saying you know the breakfast is a whole uh most important meal thing yeah was created by cereal companies mm. and also the farming industry encouraging mm. you to have your glass of milk and your yeah. your rice krispies or your cornflakes and yeah i guess they were they did a very very good marketing job because here we are however many people still saying yeah it. people still say it and people still believe it and you know cereal it's not food I mean, it's the it's agricultural surplus. That's literally where they get the grains from, and they turned it into a highly profitable thing. You know, at one point it may have had some nutritional value to it, but after the pressurizing, heat treating process it goes through, it's literally cardboard. So they have to add 
you know, fortify it with vitamins and nutrients, add sugar so it's palatable. So, yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, there's better things to start your day with, yeah. for sure. And actually, uh, I was recently speaking to someone about sugar and she was saying, you know, she's trying to reduce sugar. But she and, and I think the cereal that she was eating, I said, it actually had the same amount of sugar as hobnob biscuits. Yeah. And that's your breakfast. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it can be challenging for people to kind of, of course. Uh, you know, find out this information, kind of apply it to yeah. their lives. And sometimes, as you said, if it's all if it's changing way too many things at once, it can be really overwhelming. Yeah. But, um, yeah, doing research, having listening to conversations like this I think can be can be really valuable and listening to just learning to listen to your body like don't listen to what I've said or you're saying just you can listen to the principles and the tips that I give you to incorporate it but only you are going to know if it's right or wrong for you but once you have that power of learning to listen to your body again you can apply that to any health method and understand how it's affecting you better and I think that's really important mm. I could talk to you about this all day. I've only got one more <laughs> fasting-related question, which yeah. is about longer fasts. So not the intermittent mm. fast, but maybe 24 hours or three-day fast. I've heard um, Tom Bilyeu, who's the host of Impact Theory, he talks a lot about every couple of months he does this three-day or five-day fast, I think mm. he's done before. And yeah, he talks a lot about autophagy and the, the health benefits and some really big claims, like, you know, talking yeah. about cancers, talking about different conditions, really big claims. And so, yeah, I guess I just wanted to hear your thoughts on longer fasts i practice them myself i do uh, usually depending on what training i'm going through a 24 hour fast once a week um i do a 48 hour fast once a quarter that's the longest that i've done you know it, this has nothing to do with weight loss this is almost a spiritual thing um it's just an amazing experience to you just understand yourself better you you know it's it it's very difficult to put into words, but, you know, for me, it's just something that I do to uh, encourage better communication with my body and just to also just more self-discipline as well mm. to to be in control of urges. Of course, I have a good relationship with food um, when I do eat, you know, I eat good food and I've never had a history of um, eating disorders, which, you know, definitely you want to be careful with. But yeah, they the theory is that when you fast for kind of 24 hours and above, you um, a process called autophagy is increased, which essentially is the body self-cleaning or the cells self-cleaning mechanism. Uh, essentially, when you don't supply your body with energy, your body is forced to look for energy within. The first place that it looks is damaged proteins, damaged components within a cell, and which is a byproduct of everyday life. And this little organelle eats the... Um, the damaged component, the protein, turns it into a form of energy and at the same time is cleaning the cell. This happens with exercise. Uh, it happens with uh, extreme calorie restriction as well. Um, but yeah, it's very early doors. It's very difficult to measure, you know, but the Nobel Prize for Physi Physiology, and I think it was 2016, went to a Japanese scientist who kind of um, really, not proved, but um, discovered the mechanisms behind autophagy. Mm -hmm. And so it's all very current. You know, lots of people say that potentially fasting can increase lifespan, which it does in basically every single living thing. Mm -hmm. But it's very difficult to measure in humans, of course. Mm. I work with Dr. Adam Collins, who has a special interest in time-restricted eating and circadian biology. So this is all very current. There are lots of um, research going into it at the moment, but it's still very early doors. Um, for me, 24-hour fast and longer is just a, it's a spiritual experience and I love the way it, it makes me feel. It seems to reset things in the body even though I'm not doing it for that reason. I'm not doing it because oh, I've had a binging period I'm just going to reset. It's just your hunger seems to um, 
decrease overall for me anyway, which is sounds so ridiculous. Ironic, yeah. Um, but also, if I am going through a period of uh, eating lots of sugar, which I, goes up and down for me, and it, you know, sugar can be a part of everyday life, but for me, it doesn't do me wonders with digestion and cravings and you know energy fluctuations. And I find if doing a 24-hour fast just kind of resets the, the sugar cravings. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear you talk about the fast in a spiritual way because mm. I think a lot of people talk about it in that way. I've, I'm a Christian myself, but regardless of what people's religion, faith, beliefs, I've fasting is something that comes up across so many religions, whether it's you know, oh, yeah. every Ramadan. Single one. Yeah, every single one. Ramadan, Christianity, they all Thousands have... Thousands of years. Yeah, Buddhism. There's all these things about as the spiritual experience and also the discipline and the kind of... You know, as you said, being without and feeling that that feeling of being without, mm. giving you appreciation for things that you have. And then also on top of that, I feel like there's the layer of the time and energy that we spend every day making decisions and choices around food. So yes. what am I going to eat? Prepare the food, cook the food, eat the food. If you took away maybe 30 minutes, an hour, an hour, you're giving yourself also in a, more time in that day, which oh, you yeah. could spend doing something else. And yeah, I think a power lot of people, hour. yeah, exactly. Get another power hour in. But uh, also I think it's important to point out at this point, the initial uh, barrier people have with fasting or long-term fasting is getting used to having an empty stomach. And there's this misconception that as soon as your stomach is empty and grumbling, you know, growling, that means you should eat. And we aren't meant to have full stomachs all the time. And actually having an empty stomach is an incredibly beneficial thing for the body, uh, not just physically, but mentally. You know, I'm fasted now. I have an empty stomach. I like to get most of my things done in the day and uh, in the fastest state. So, yeah, I think it's just impo- people are always really surprised by this, mm. you know, that just because your stomach is empty doesn't mean that y- you have to eat. Yeah, or that you're going to be low in energy, hungry. Yeah. That's what people I think often assume is like, well, I'm going to just be, yeah, really low in energy. How can you, how, you've got no fuel to... Which does happen in the short term. So, okay. of course, if you're used to eating as soon as you wake up every single morning, one day you don't have breakfast, your body's going to be like, where the hell is the energy? What am I doing? Um, it's different for everyone, the transition period. Mm-hmm. It's usually no more than three or four days. Sometimes it's immediate. It really depends on your previous eating habits. But I would say that people that really struggle with, um, you know, f- having no energy and being irritable when when going a few hours without food, ironically, are actually the people that should do it should do it even more because mm-hmm. they're so dependent on the food for energy. Yeah. And long term, I don't think that's a good thing metabolically. You mm-hmm. want to so fasting teaches uh, your body to become more metabolically flexible, which means that you are good at using every f- available fuel source on the body. Mm-hmm. If you only if you eat regularly throughout the day you're only going to be good at using the carbohydrates and the food Mm. whereas when you go without for a bit your body is forced to use what's uh, within the body Mm. and this is a complete normal process and yeah that's a a good thing and long term can improve metabolic health amazing thank you max i feel like we've got so much information there about (laughs) fasting hopefully it's answered lots of people's questions i'm going to move it on but before i do that i guess it's just uh you know as you've already touched on already fasting and intermittent fasting may not be suitable for everyone and so i feel like it's my responsibility just to kind of flag that and say you know if you're someone who's taking medication or you have a chronic illness or a medical condition then making changes to your diet big or small is something that you know it's very specific to you and i would recommend that you get advice from a professional dietitian nutritionist somebody first before kind of thinking oh let me just try that because i heard it on the yeah exactly yeah awesome so let's talk about your training because max i've seen some 
Instagram videos and on your stories, I often see that you'll be training mostly outside. Yeah. I think. I don't think I've seen you in the gym yet. Outside, in nature, uh, you might be wearing a chest strap heart rate monitor. I've also seen you wearing the Vivo barefoot running shoe. So talk to me about the principles of your training. Um, so I've done lots of different styles of training in my life. Uh, f- when I first got back into exercise, I did triathlons. Then I realised I'm not a, a long-distance athlete, never have been. Uh, so I joined my local athletics club. I trained and competed as a sprinter for four or five years, which was a lot of fun. I was, you know, competing regionally. Um, I was a bit too old to kind of really get into it. I was like 23, 24. Um, then I got into Olympic lifting, and I did just Olympic lifting for about 18 months. In the middle of that, I ran an ultra marathon up a mountain, uh, which was 60 kilometres. Uh, now I... You know, I very much try and train myself for the environment that I am in. And towards the end of the Olympic lifting, I was like 92 kilograms. And I was, you know, hiking with rucksacks. And I just felt a bit heavy, a bit slow. And I was like, this isn't right. So my training now is quite multifaceted. It's not very specific, whereas my entire life has been very specific training. I like to train for specific goals. Um, But yeah, I do... I still do Olympic lifting. I do lots of kind of very specific conditioning work for the mountain environments, lots of single leg work. Um, yeah, it's quite varied now. But I say... So you live in the mountains now? I Yeah, I've moved out of London in February, mm-hmm. uh, having lived and worked here for 15 years for a variety of reasons, just because of the way that my business is now. I do most of my coaching online, remotely, and that was intentional because I'm a happier person when I'm not in London. It really doesn't do my mental space any favors um so yeah my training i don't know how, don't really know how to describe it but i guess i have a very special interest in performance um with my clients it's very very tailored uh, i have a lot of experience training a wide variety of different people for a wide variety of different goals i have a mentor based down in bath called tom crudgington at the body development gym who i've learned a lot from my good friend and i guess he's also a mentor as well adam fedorcio I've also learned a lot from and I'm very fortunate to surround myself with people like that who I can learn from. So I guess I would say that I've removed myself from the London London fitness scene a bit Mm. in the past kind of 18 months just because I think the message is a bit generic. Although it's a positive thing, I think, you know, the popularity of group classes and HIIT training has got people interested in exercise, but I think it's there's more to it than that um so yeah that's uh not really sure how to describe my training but that's how it is basically yeah very functional yeah functional and yeah i think multifaceted is a great way to describe it i think that yeah personally you know i run sometimes yesterday i was at reformer pilates sometimes Mm. i'll do my own body weight hit sometimes it's stretching and i think that that's something i try to encourage others to do and i think when you have a knowledge of different training methods and of fitness and you're kind of spoiled for choice because you know how to do it but i think for some people if they don't have that knowledge then they need the guidance they need someone to say you're going to do this for 20 minutes and this is why you're going to do this on this day and this is why and Mm. i think you know now people have so much access which is great and as you said it's getting people moving whether that's wearing a fitbit whether that's wearing a tracking device whether that's Mm. going to a group class i do think that more people are being encouraged to be active which can only be a good thing yeah but as you said there's more to it maybe than just going okay sign up to this like yeah five day five classes yeah, it's yeah, yeah. quite yeah extreme on and off so i spend a lot of time working on the basics even though i've been training consistently for a long time and mm-hmm. i can do some pretty advanced 
things. I'm constantly working on the fundamentals, which is mobility, flexibility, stability, strength in those positions. Um, and that's something I try to teach to people is I wrote an ask craft auto, um, article um, for The Telegraph about three years ago and why I think HIIT training can do more harm than good in certain situations. It went viral everywhere because at the time it's very popular. But I, de- I definitely believe that if you are someone that has been sitting at their desks for the past 10 years, are overweight, have maybe a niggling injury from the past, the last place you want to be is a HIIT session, a HIIT class. You want to be doing some kind of controlled strength work. Um, for me, being strong is fund- it underpins everything else. If you're strong, you'll be better at your HIIT class. If you're strong as you age, you're going to have a better quality of life. You know, the inevitability of the perceived inevitability of back problems, knee pain, not being able to stand out of chairs is not inevitable at all. Um, if you make some, you know, proper lifestyle choices and focus on strength and mobility. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I encourage you to dive in more, guys, and uh, check out Max's work because he's got so much knowledge. And I feel like we could just talk all day. But <laughs> I would like to know more about your Connect Retreat. So why did you start hosting them and what kind of things does the Connect Retreat offer? So Connect Retreats is my hiking. At the moment, it's primarily hiking down in the French Pyrenees, which I spend a lot of time. Uh, I'm now basically living there. Um, over time, as I started to become more sensitive to how the city life was affecting me, uh, especially mentally, I started you know, seeking out nature and going on walks and hiking and meeting friends in parks and, you know, going for walks with friends to catch up. And then obviously, as we discussed, I have an extreme personality to a certain respect. It's then ended up in me pushing it further and further and further. You know, I did a five day solar hike in the Pyrenees in January. I'm climbing Mont Blanc without a guide at the end of August. So and along that way, I've been documenting my journey through social media and received a lot of engagement and feedback from that. And I think a lot of people are craving this. A lot of people are putting time and effort into their hit classes and their dieting, you know, and the hit class is usually in some kind of dungeon-esque nightclub scene underground in London, um, which is good. You're getting physical and some mental health benefits from that, but you're not getting the mental health benefits of getting out of a city, de-stressing, which lots and lots of studies are now saying nature time will decrease anxiety, depression, yeah, improve physical health, but drastically improve mental health. Mm. And I'm very sensitive to that. So as I started to see that people were being engaging with this, I then decided to qualify as a mountain leader. I'm still going through a lot of the international qualifications that I need to go to, through. It's a lot of, a lot, um, it takes a long time. There's mm. a lot to do, which it, should, which it should be. But I have been going to this area in the French Pyrenees since I was about 10 years old. And basically I decided as a little test, I'll... I'll host two hiking retreats, which I did last year, last September, just to see if this is something I, you know, that I could offer as part of, you know, my my repertoire, I guess. And went really well. Amazing feedback. I enjoyed it. You know, everything. It takes all the boxes. So this year, um, I've I've done one. I had to cancel one because I injured my ankle, which Mm. was a nightmare. But I'll be doing five in total this year. And the plan next year is we're building a separate property retreat space uh, there. And it will be more than just hiking. It will be fitness-based stuff as well, um, kind of encompassing all the different things that I talk about uh, into just like a package. Because I think, you know, people are craving that connection with nature and I can potentially offer that. Mm. Wow, sounds fantastic. And so 
one more question for you before we move it on to find out. I really am really looking forward to hearing what you have to say about your morning routine. <laughs> but uh, with a lot of the things that you've discussed uh, today, you know, we talked about your kind of extreme personality, but also something that comes up, I think, is discipline. Mm. And within, you know, health, within fitness, your entire lifestyle, I think you seem to be someone who can cultivate self-discipline and can practice self-discipline. So... Would you say that self-discipline comes easily to you? And what advice would you give to anyone who maybe struggles with practicing discipline? So from the outside, it might look like I'm very disciplined, but I wouldn't say that I'm disciplined per se. I think because... He says whilst fasting and hiking a mountain. (laughs) But these things make me feel good. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, if they didn't make me feel good, but I, I thought they were they were meant to make me feel good it wouldn't be you know I wouldn't be doing it all the time you wouldn't suffer yeah it's not a discipline doesn't mean suffering yeah no exactly it's just a fact you know these things make me feel so good mm. so it's effortless it doesn't take discipline to do them I, I incorporate them into my way of life because they make me feel good mm. um, you know I guess at some point you know I mean if you ask my teachers at school if I had discipline they would have said no you know when I was practicing sport at school it was because that's all I'd ever known and I, I didn't enjoy it at all. I just did it. I now enjoy exercise and training and stuff. But the thing with discipline and motivation, people think it comes first. It doesn't. You know, the, the thing that comes first, if you're looking to incorporate l- new lifestyle changes, is action. Just do something. Mm. And then you'll probably start to feel a bit better if you do it in a, in a you know, a, a gradual, c- sustainable way. And then because you feel better, that gives you motivation to do more. So I think that's kind of how it works with me is, yes, I'm definitely someone that likes to try new things and then, you know, initially be consistent with them. But then after a while, I feel so much better doing them that it's just effortless. And I'm not, you know, fasting isn't deprivation for me. It's it optimizes my life in every single way. That's why I've done it virtually every single day for six years now. So, you know, for those of you listening who are trying to find discipline, find something that you enjoy. Um, Don't don't think that you're immediately going to have motivation you know, just find something. And then if it is exercise and moving more, focus on the positives of that. Don't focus. I'm only going to train because I need to lose weight. And I don't like the way that I look, you know, that's never going to last. You know, it's never going to become a way of life. Once you start to focus on how exercise makes you feel, how for me, it makes me sleep better. I want to drink less alcohol. I want to eat better. Um, I'm a happy, more motivated person generally when I'm exercising. Focus on those kind of things and then it becomes a way of life and then you can kind of, you know, seek it out and, you know, just move more, be more active. Yes, I love that answer because, as you said, don't wait for the feeling of action. Yeah. Action, execution first. I love it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So can we talk about the power hour? So morning routine, daily habits is something that I'm fascinated with. I'm absolutely loving hosting this show because I get to find out in detail people's morning routines and what they do and why. So Max, what time do you wake up in the morning and what does the first hour of your day include? 
So I try to wake up at the same time every single morning because that's more in line with our circadian rhythms. It will improve sleep. That's probably the most powerful thing you can do for your sleep is to wake up at the same time every every morning. Uh, now that I'm mostly in the mountains, my routine looks like I wake up, um, I drink a big glass of water, I then go downstairs and I help myself to some cold brew coffee that I make myself. I then go outside and I spend, you know, half an hour moving, stretching, sipping the coffee, getting the sunlight on my eyes. Um, what time is this? It's usually about 6.30. Okay. Uh, so between 6.30 and 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then actually, because it's in the mountains and it's a farm, I actually go and check on all the animals. So I go check on the kittens that have just been born, um, the piglets, uh, the horses. So, you know... Obviously, people are not going to be able to relate to that at all listening to this. But I'd say no matter where I am, I try to move, hydrate, move and get outside. Because, again, that is in line with our circadian rhythms. Yeah. Awesome. So and does that doesn't really take does it take an hour? Does it take a whole hour? doesn't take an hour. No, no. I usually, you know, half an hour to an hour. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the stretching in particular in the morning, I think, is really beneficial. Mm-hmm. Just five or ten minutes and just getting sunlight um, yeah. will improve your sleep later in that in that evening and is there anything that you would actively try to avoid first thing in the morning um what do i try and avoid yeah i try and avoid looking at my phone straight away but it's very difficult mm-hmm. it's so you know that's a it's one thing that I we haven't like. touched on but i do try and incorporate i call it digital fasting okay so i intermittent digital fast every day so after 9 p.m i'm not looking at my phone before 9 a.m i'm not looking at my phone okay mostly but it's difficult and i have this kind of love-hate relationship with my phone and social media because i'm very aware of it changing the way that i think changing my habits throughout the day my concentration levels um so but on the other hand it allows me to do what i i do today and work from anywhere and reach more people and spread my message so yeah yeah i yeah i completely hear that i think a lot of people have said they try to now avoid social media first thing in the morning Mm. for me i think that takes discipline that takes more discipline than not eating some cornflakes it's like not going on your phone when it's there and much harder yeah the notifications and it's distracting and all of those things Uh, and i also think as you said being able to share your message I think is what I focus on when it comes to social media because the amount of people who could access you watch your Instagram stories read your articles listen to this podcast that for me is what social media has changed you know it's Mm. done such an incredible job of democratizing voices but also giving information to people for free who might not have access to education or these certain you know different methodologies or people and i just think that is something that i mean i wish i'd had this stuff when i was at school podcasts in particular uh there are a few podcasts that i listen to towards my my end towards the end of my time in finance Mm -hmm. um which motivated me to leave my job Mm -hmm. um one of them was tim ferris um uh, i heard of him through a podcast read his four-hour work week and i was like I could, you know, it's not that I knew exactly what I was going to do, but it was like, okay, actually, there's there's more to life now. We yeah. don't have to sit in a, an office and do something you're not necessarily that interested in. Yeah. Okay. And so, could you give the listeners a challenge for this week? So, I often ask the guests to give the listeners a challenge to try. It could be something that they try in their power hour in the morning. Uh, it could be every day. It could be ten minutes, an hour. What do you think? Yeah. So, I'm actually going to give uh, a recent study done on the benefits of nature so we've known we've known for a long time that nature exposure is very good for you but there hasn't been much research done on how much nature time you need what's the dosage to Mm. get benefits and a recent study suggested that 120 minutes per week seems to have a lot of benefits up to 300 minutes is the peak 
at which you get those benefits. Any more than 300 minutes, you don't get any more benefits. Sure. So if you guys can do 20 minutes nature time a day, that will add up to more than 120 um, minutes over the course of the week. So I, I challenge you guys to try and do that. And this is phoneless as well. You're not okay. on your phone walking around. Your phone is on an airplane mode or left behind somewhere. Mm. And you are just breathing and you're just taking in nature. And this will have drastic impact on your mental health. Awesome. Okay. And can you tell the listeners where they could find you online? Best place is probably Instagram, which is at max.lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y. If you are really interested in the Two Meal Day, then go to twomealday.com and that have a ton of information on there. And then also, if you want to come on one of the retreats, there is one more at the end of September, which is connectretreats.co.uk. Awesome. Thank you. And my closing question, which I ask to every single guest on the show, is all about time. So I appreciate you have a busy schedule and you're traveling and walking and hiking and everything. So I really appreciate, Max, you giving me an hour of your time today. Well, thank you. And my question is, I believe time is the most valuable thing that we have. We can never get it back. And what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you? I'm not going to answer the the question exactly the way that you want, but I would say that... I'm very aware of time and I would say that I'm trying to set up my life so that I have time to do the things that make me feel happy, whether it be spend time with my family, whether it be, you know, uh, commit certain amounts of times just to me time and, you know, hiking. So that's why this whole thing of time and having freedom and and being, um, you know, being able to do the things that you, you make you feel happy is part of the reason why I left my job and why over time I've, I've left London because I find that my time in London is more stressed and not as um, present as when I'm elsewhere. So, yeah, very good question. Thank you. And thanks so much again for coming in. I've absolutely loved the chat and I'm sure that the listeners are going to have really enjoy it and hopefully get lots of feedback. So let us know if you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with anyone who you think would value from hearing Max's message. And, yeah, you can rate and review us over on iTunes or get in touch on Instagram. See ya! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 